Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. The outstretched hand of God. The outstretched hand of God. Amen. And that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. It could mean different things. Um, but I want to really just drive this thought home today, this outstretched hand of God. And um, hopefully it, it, it really does encourage, bring growth, and um, strengthens everyone that's listening, that's watching. I, I want to get into this first little thought, and then I'm going to make a, a left and bring it all together at the end. But I was thinking about this, you know, because in many occasions throughout the scriptures we hear that phrase and we read the phrase we see the outstretched hand of God and we see the outstretched hand of God at work with his outstretched hand we see in scripture he is rescuing he is delivering he is striking and frustrating enemies his outstretched hand is also healing also releasing his judgments we see that in Scripture. And I want you to pause there, and I want you to remember that, and I want you to think about that for a moment, and I don't want you to, move, I don't want you to really forget about that place, that his outstretched hand is working and is doing all these things throughout Scripture. From the beginning to the end, we read that phrase, the outstretched hand of God. So remember that as we take a moment and go somewhere else at this time. I started to think about this and I said, you know, the earth in which we live in may seem immense. Um, I know that when I was a child um, and I used to hear, for example, of other countries like in Asia or in Europe, I would feel as if it were talking about a whole other world. And um, everything as a child, especially our earth, was substantially massive. And um, I, I always felt I was so far away from some of those places. But as we grow older and technology grows with us, we see that what we originally thought was not as accurate as what first seemed true to us. See, I can visit parts of the world some thousands of miles away within seconds on my phone. It's, it's crazy. It's a blessing. It's all scary at the same time. We get news alerts on what is called our smart devices of other parts of the world. We get these uh, news alerts, not months after it happens, uh, but seconds after it occurs. We communicate quicker these days. We travel so much quicker these days. We don't have to travel by sea on boat for weeks or months. But instead, we can travel by air in a plane within hours. I want you to really put all that into thought. The world seemed bigger, especially in those days, when mail was traveled through boat, then delivered through post riders. Post riders were the mailmen on horseback. But now we've learned that it's such a small world that we can get mail and goods shipped and delivered to our house the very next day. It's not as big as we thought. 
However it may seem to you, I, I want you just to think about this for a moment. See, I believe our earth is stretched. I believe our earth is stretched to its north, south, east, and west, as Scripture shows us. And yet, all of it is covered with the knowledge of God. All of it at once can all be seen or glanced through God's eyes. All of it in one instant can be touched by his outstretched hand. And, and, and what is that called? Well, I can only think about it and calling it one thing. It is the complexity of God. And yet, it is the simple manner in how he also touches his children's heart, the heart of his children. So complex, but yet he has such a way of being so simple in touching our lives. God with his outstretched arm. Think about that. It's at work and it's working. And God with his outstretched arm can touch one at 8 o'clock in the morning in Miami, Florida, while at the same time, winning the heart of another at 5.30 p.m. in Bangaluru, India. All at the same time because the outstretched arm of God does not fall short from reaching. It's not held back with restraints or boundaries. His outstretched arm can reach the one who resides in the lowest parts of the earth while immediately occurring at the same time touching the one who resides in the heights of the earth. To God, to God, time is not an issue. Distance is not an issue. What else? Well, to God, sin is not an issue. Man in their power is not an issue. Man in their riches is not an issue. Governments are not an issue. Weapons are not an issue. Whether it's nuclear, chemical, or bioterrorism, none of it is an issue. Man's intellect and knowledge is not an issue. North is not an issue. Neither is south, east, west an issue. Heights is not an issue. Neither is depth an issue. Death is not an issue. Satan is not an issue. No fallen angel or any demonic being is an issue. Pandemics, plagues, or persecutions, not an issue. Nothing is an issue and nothing can stand before our God. His name, as scripture teaches us, is Yahweh and he sits on his throne in power, majesty, glory, and reigns in this present moment and will continue to reign forevermore. His outstretched arm continues to work. And it does not fall shortly, not ever. Nothing is an issue to him. Hopefully you could say amen. I love what Isaiah says. <clears throat> Isaiah says in um, chapter 14, verse 26 and 27, I want to read this. It says, this is the purpose that is purposed against the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it his hand is stretched out and who will turn it back so powerful <clears throat> this outstretched hand of god 
I was reminded of something that I, I want to take a moment and, and share. I was reminded of something so priceless. Something that is so heavenly is the best way I could describe it. And I was reminded of it this past week. I was sent an email and it was actually a very positive email. And I want to, and it was, from a, it was from a young lady and it blessed me. Her story blessed me. And I want to share it with you. And the reason why it blessed me is because it's more about God's story than it is about, about her, than it is about me or about anyone else. It's, it's more God's story. But it also serves as an awakening, the email that I got this last week. It serves as a reminder to us, and I believe it's a reminder from God directly to us. And this is what moved me to speak about his outstretched arm. I'm going to read this letter to you. I hope it bless, blesses you the way it blessed me. I was able to read it this week to the more, in the more gathering um, that we had. And um, if you weren't on it, I want you to enjoy this email real quick. It, she writes, Hi, Pastor Regal. You don't know me, but I've been wanting to reach out to you for several weeks now, yet I hadn't found time until now. I live in Washington, D.C., but I've been currently staying in California with my parents since early March due to COVID-19. I grew up in a Spanish-speaking church since, they, since the day I could walk. My parents, faithful believers, introduced their three children early on to God's word and grace. Throughout high school and college, I became the youth leader and the teacher at, a church, at our church, and I fell in love with youth ministry. I became the leader of a group at my college campus and worked with college students trying to find their community and learn more about God during those formative years in their lives. For years after I graduated from college, which was in 08, I moved to Washington, D.C. I've now lived there for the last eight years, and I've struggled to find a church, a community, because of my own accord. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. There aren't enough young adults. And the list goes on of excuses and reasons why it's been hard to find the church. It's funny how easy we can make up excuses for ourselves, yet knowing that we truly aren't making an effort. But when you do find a home, a community of believers, you're filled with love, hope, and His presence. I tell you all of this, one, it is important to the story, and two, when I flew back to California on March 10, 2020, I didn't realize that God was up to something and that he, had, and that he would introduce me to a church 3,000 plus miles away from me. It all started on Saturday, March 21st, 2020 with a woman, and I won't say her name, she is a high-profile celebrity. Upon scrolling through my IG account, I stumbled across her recent post. There was an individual tag. I clicked on the account, scrolled through that page as one does, and saw the beautiful and colorful photos from what looked like postcards from a recent trip somewhere far and remote. But what stood out to me was the saying at the top of the page, in this world but not of it, and the Instagram tag for Nest Church. I clicked on the account. It was Luis Palacios, and I didn't know who this person was or why I clicked on him, but it led me to Nest Church. I woke up on Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, and felt God tugging at my heart, and I decided to go on YouTube and watch your first live stream. Now, I didn't wake up early to watch it live. There's a three-hour time difference, but I watched the video that morning. God works in mysterious ways. 
And I am a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. During the first live stream, you spoke about him gathering the family. And I felt God was doing even more than that in the moment in my life. He was gathering me, bringing me back to his family, his church, showing me community during this uncertain time and realigning my heart with his. God knew exactly what he needed to do and he was moving mountains to do so. I have now watched you preach each week on YouTube, singing along the worship team, praying for the members of Nest Church, and looking forward to the following Sunday's message. I feel filled with his spirit, and I'm reconnecting with him daily. I never forgot him, but had pushed him aside while I was living life prior to this. I am grateful that God is forgiving and loving and never abandons his children. I am also grateful that God introduced me to this virtual community that I feel connected to, he truly is good. So while, so while this was God's plan all along, I do want to say thank you for sharing the word of God online with strangers like me who aren't members of Nest Church but are connecting virtually with your church, your community. We all need God during these uncertain times more than ever, and I pray that you and Nest Church continue spreading his word and love to many more. You never know who you'll reach. Very important phrase there. A man in Florida or a woman in California. Thank you. God bless. And all we could say is amen to that. And I want to tell Elizabeth as she's watching us, we want to say hello to her and welcome her to our family. Though she's part of a virtual, digital part of it, but we thank her for her prayers. And as we will begin and to pray for her in the direction that God's going to lead her. And for this email, we thank her. But, but I want to ask if you heard something specifically. Did you hear it? And when I received this email, all I could think of was the outstretched hand and the outstretched arm of God and how it's at work. He's drawing people in, and he's drawing them from one end of our nation to the other end of our nation, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. And I also want us to hear this and recognize that though nothing, nothing is an issue to God, his plan for this earth still involves him using us. And that is so important that when I read that email, I said, nothing's an issue for God. Whether you're on the other side of the earth, it's not an issue for God, but there is one thing that is certain. I am a part of what he wants to do on this earth. And I hope that every single one of you got that. Because many of us have a gift and have a talent, have something to offer. And in the midst of this, how many of us has have we shut that and have we closed that and have we hid that because of maybe a fear or because of who knows what it is. I can't speak for you, but you haven't used what God may be or may have given you. We'll get into that. And that is an, a wake-up call, an awakening for every single one of us. He's drawing us and he's people in and he wants to use us. You and I can very well be the work of his outstretched hand in another person's life. And most times we don't even know it. See, one person can puff, up, <clears throat> puff themselves up. And they could say, wow, look how the Lord has used me. But none of it happens. 
unless the outstretched arm, the outstretched hand of God has put it together and called it out to work for his glory. And if you haven't noticed, you may very well be God's heaven on this earth. You may very well be his hands and feet on this land. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27 tells us that all of us together are Christ's body. And each of us is a part of it. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us that each one should use whatever gift we have received to serve others faithfully. Administering, administering God's grace in its various forms. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ and that God is making his appeal through us. So we are part of this. We are God's hands and feet. Um, Teresa of Avila, she wrote this down, and I want to share this with you all because it, it's such a powerful um, poem. It says, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. You read that and you read the other verses I shared and you recognize that his outstretched hand is at work today. And many are the times that it is us, it's you. He's using us to be his hand and to touch people all over the earth, to reach them in the gospel and with the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to I do this uh, a little... Uh, a little picture, uh, I, I want to draw a little picture out, and I want to put it in your mind for a moment, but I want every single one of you all to participate as we continue on this thought here about the outstretched hand of God. I want you to picture a hill real quick. Picture any hill. Go ahead, I'll give you a, I'll give you a water break to picture a hill. Picture a hill. Maybe you could make one up. Maybe it's a hill that you've seen before. Maybe, maybe it's one that you could just create right now in your mind. Picture a hill. I want it to be a reasonable hill, um, one that would take effort to get to the top of it. Hopefully, it's not a speed bump. That's not a hill, but something that's going to take effort to get to the top of it. Hopefully, you've thought about your hill already. Hopefully, you got your hill in your mind. Is it there? Is it in your mind already? So, hopefully, it is. When I was little, before we get into this hill, um, there was this one hill that always seemed immense to me. Some of you already know maybe where I'm going. Now I take my kids to it, to the same hill, and I look at this hill and I laugh at it. And I laugh because it seems to me that it may have shrunk. When I take my kids now, I look at them like, it's not as big as when I used to come when I was little. It feels like it shrunk. I know that it hasn't shrunk. It's just that I see it from eyes that are more grown now. But to my children, when I take them and, and they're on top of it, to them it's as if they're on top of the world. You should hear the things that they say and how they scream and how they look down. And it's, for them it's being on top of the world. Which we know exactly 
Um, or actually, it's not being on top of the world. When you look at that hill, it's kind of more like a bump, not necessarily a hill. But yet, they're on that bump, and they feel they're on top of the world. I, I want to show you the famous hill um, for a moment. This is my famous popular hill. Um, it'll come up on the screen. And um, hopefully, you could see it a little bit there from your home. But this is my popular hill. For you guys that are from Miami or from right from down south and from Dade County, you know exactly what hill that is. That is the famous, popular, iconic, monumental hill of Tropical Park. And um, for me, I used to go to that hill and, and it was wild, you know. My friends would go to the top of that hill and then they would roll down. And I would look at them and say, I think you could die if you do that. Because for me, the hill looked huge when I was little. And that's my famous hill. I immediately thought about the hill of Tropical Park. Okay, so as we continue on this little diagram here, this picture that you have in your mind, hopefully the hill you've pictured in your mind is way more impressive than the hill of Tropical Park, than this one right here. Hopefully your hill is way more impressive than that. Think about your hill. I need that because that is so important for today as we're gonna, once we wrap all this up. Now, as you have that hill in your mind, that impressive hill that you built in your mind, I want you to think about the effort it takes to climb up that hill. Everyone's there with me, right? Think about the sweat. Think about the push. Think about the drive and the force that is needed to make it to the top. How many of you have been to San Francisco before? San Francisco is a city of hills. And me and my wife, made a, uh, we had a, a beautiful time together, but we took our children. And as we celebrated our anniversary that year, we took our children and we took Jackson to walk around the city with us and Jade in the stroller. One stroller, two kids, four people in total, and it was an exercise. It was, it, it was, we were sore, we were sweating, we were going up the hills, and I was pushing up Jade, and Nancy was pushing me from the back, and any little mistake, we were going to come tumbling down the hill, and when we finally got to the top, and we got to see the famous crooked street of San Francisco, we, it was like, we couldn't even enjoy it, because we're out of breath, I mean, think about hills, and think about the pain and the push and the drive and the force that is needed to make it to tops of the hill, to the tops. A hill in the Bible, when you read, you'll recognize that a hill can also be described as a mountain. And it's a place where there's a high peak that when you're there and you look down, your perspective is different from when you were below and you used to look up. Your perspective from the top of the hill is different when you were, when it was below the hill. Your whole dynamics changes. I mean, my children are like, whoa, you know, there's the hill. And when they come to the top, they think they're kings and queens. And, and they, their voice gets louder, I'm on top of the hill. And you automatically feel like, I run this. when I'm. Why? Because it's a shift in your perspective. I see things from here that down there I would have never seen. So there's things of greatness up here that can give me instructions and can lead me 
to specific places that I don't necessarily see when I'm down there. The top of the hill is a blessing. The top of the hill is the place where I would say everyone that's watching and listening wants to be at. But to get there, there is pain. There is sweat. There is force, is what I'm trying to say. Imagine that for a moment. Now imagine those that are living beneath, at the foot of the hill. I think about snow-capped mountains. And those that live in the valley, they look up to the mountains. Do you know that? They look up to the mountains and they see those ice tips on those hills. And they know that soon they will have water. And the water will come down from that mountain, down from that hill, and it will be a help in their time of need. It will be water for time of refreshment. So they look up to the hill to where their help will come down from. Very important that you understand that. And that's the importance of the valley and the hill and what that stuff means. Now, to get to that hill, yes, it does take something. We've already gone over that. There is a fight. There is sacrifice. There's a grit in the individuals that decide, I want to get to the top of the hill. There's something inside those people. I I feel like this whole pandemic is kind of like a hill. And we're learning a lot from our very, one of the things that we're doing is we're learning about ourselves because of this pandemic. We're learning about God and we're also learning about others. And we've recognized that there's, in me, there's things in me that push, man, that push. I'm going to get to the hill, even if it's hard. And then there's others like, no, I'm just going to die with everything else. No, we, we aim for the hill, amen? There's a sacrifice, there's a grit in those that long to be on that hill. But notice, it takes time. Again, I said it takes force to be able to get there. And yet, let's... let's Play around with this for a moment. So you're on top of the hill, right? You look down, you're like, man, did that take work? Man, did that take pain? Man, did were there tears and blood involved in that? So now you're on top of the hill. But have you noticed that to go down the hill, um, it takes less force? It's easier, it's quicker, it's faster. See, I, I thought about that and I said, wow, you know, the hills has two parts of it. There's the part of going up the hill. And then there's the part that's coming down the hill. Which one's harder? Obviously, the answer is going up the hill is harder. But going down the hill, it's so much easier. It could also be so much more devastating. I thought about this. It's harder to build up a life. It's harder to build up a life that gets one to the hilltop. But yet very easy to lose that privilege and fall down. To no longer have the ability to be one who is set up on a hill. I think about our testimony. Please listen to this. For years, we are building it up, building Christ in. Christ is building us up. And in one moment, in one moment, in one split second, we can come tumbling down with all of it falling on us. See, you may speak... uh, You may speak bad about those that are on the hills. How many of you have been maybe on the hill with other people on the hill? Or or you think you're actually on a hill and you're not. You're actually in the foot of the hill and you're looking at the people of the hill 
um, that are on the hill, and you may speak bad about those on the hill. But instead of speaking bad about the people on the hill, we could look at that hill and say, no, I'm going to learn to honor what they've endured to receive such privilege to even stand there and pray for them rather than to speak about them because we know how quickly they and it can all fall down if their eyes are taken off the Lord. See, everyone listening and watching today, all I could say is this. It's welcome to this life. What life am I talking about? Well, where there is pressure, pain, sacrifice, scrapes, tears. But in all of it, it's to take us somewhere great. In all of it, it's to do something great through us. It's, it's all, I believe this, and, I, and, and now more than ever, it's all the outstretched hand of God doing his work. And you're called to be one thing. And I want us to understand this and to hear this. What is this thing that I'm called to be? You're called to be, as Jesus says in Matthew 5. And I'm going to read it for you, starting in verse 14. Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill. Cannot be hidden, nor they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and that they would glorify your Father in heaven. Think about Jesus' words, and I thought about our sister from California, and it reminded me of this. It reminded me that we are a city on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. And if you hit it, if you hit it under a basket, I'm going to speak to your heart today. I'm going to speak to you right there where you're watching and where you're listening. It's time to take it out. Put it on the lampstand and give light to everyone who's in the house because you may very well be the hand of God in someone else's life. You're the very hand of God in someone else's life. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's your own family. Maybe it's a young lady from California whose God is going to win her heart once again. You're the hand of God. Take the light out. Get up. Stand on the hill and declare the name of Jesus. Because here is this email. Here is this woman and she was in a valley. And she found a city on a hill whose light was not hidden. And the, and the Holy Spirit right there in, in her living room began to pierce her soul. And now she too stands with this city on the hill to shine his light. It is the outstretched hand of God and it's at work. And all I could ask is everyone that's part of our family and every guest that's listening and watching, are you part of it? Are you God's outstretched hand at work? Because I am alive and have breath, and I say because we are, and because I am. Amen? Hallelujah. Psalm 121 is the verse that probably you've already quoted, you've already written down, and you've already whispered this maybe to someone. But the psalmist says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? It's a question. And then there's an answer. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth who will not let your foot be moved and he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps 
Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Again, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is so humbling when I read this passage. Why is it humbling? Because the psalmist is saying that his help comes from the Lord. Amen? Do we all agree with that? Good. I'm making sure that we all know that it's God. God. The help is from the Lord. That's where his help comes from. It's from the Lord. But can I ask you the question that maybe we forgot to ask when we read this passage? Where does he find the Lord? It says that he places his eyes to the hills. He places his eyes to the hills where his help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. So I, I thought about that phrase for a moment. I said, wow, that's pretty powerful. Because the psalmist is giving a great revelation that Jesus is confirming in Matthew 5. That we are a city on a hill. And those in need of help, they place their eyes on the hill. And what sometimes when they place their eye on the hill, can you imagine this? Those that are in need, they place their eyes on you who stand on hills. Maybe I should have named this message Standing on Hills. Standing on Hills. Because the one that's in the valley who's writing this says, I look up to the hill, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And, 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 and he finds that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is his help. But his eyes were placed on the hill. And on the hill, Jesus says, we are the city that is set on the hill. So many times people will look up to the hill to find Jesus. And what they find is the people of God so that the people of God could introduce them to God himself. And they find the Lord in us. They find the help of God, the provision of God, working through the people of God. Sometimes God just won't show up. Man, bless those that had the dream that God showed up to them. Man, bless those that God appeared to them and they couldn't see the face because they could die. Bless those that have had dreams and visions. I've heard about them. I'm not saying I don't believe them. But I'm telling you, many are the times that people see and hear God through the ones who stand on hills. Where does my hope come from? The people of God will reveal the person of God on this earth. I love when Jesus was walking on this earth. They said, Jesus, show us the Father. And he's like, if you've seen me, you saw him. And we're walking with people on the earth. Come on, show us the, show us the Lord. And like, if you've seen us, you've seen him. Hopefully you've seen the Lord in me at some point doing life with you. Think about that. Think about what that means to us. Think about what that is saying. God is working through us. When Paul says, and this is something that we've exhausted here in our church. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Many of you today, if Paul were to stand up here right now and he wouldn't reveal to you that he was Paul and he preached that message, many of you would call him a heretic. 
Many of you would be against his message. Who do you think you are to tell us men to imitate you? You're just a man like me. But it's because you haven't learned to sit and honor men of God and women of God that can lead you to who the person of God is. And when Paul tells the followers, imitate me as I imitate him, hopefully walking alongside me, you'll see the face of God. Because Paul had authority because he stood on a hill. He was leading from the hilltop. Paul was leading from the hills. You will see God in me. How can someone say, imitate me as I imitate God? That is because that is someone that leads from the hills and knows that in their life they know God and God knows them. That, hey, if, I, if, I, if you get around me, you'll see God in me and work through me. That's a, that's a very... <laughs> powerful thing for, and then there's in other individuals that are like no well no I mean and we could quote a bunch of other things no it's just because you haven't stood on hills and it's just because you haven't taken your position in Christ yet and we need to understand that the ESV commentary says this God has designed the Christian life so that much of one's progress comes through imitating other Christians imperfect though they be wow we are a city set on a hill. But I know that as I speak to this camera and to the few that are in this room, I know that not everyone watching me, and I know everyone that's hearing maybe on the podcast, I get it. Maybe you're not a city on a hill. Maybe you've set your city on the valley and in the valley. But the Lord's words were, no, you are a city set on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. Who does not hide his light under a basket but on the lampstand so that the whole place would shine its light or be illuminated from its light. We are a city on a hill. We are the light of the world for the purpose of the next verse. That's Matthew 5.15. Matthew 5.16 says that they may see, because it's not really about the glory of us, but that they may see your good works. They may see your good works and that they would glorify your Father who is in heaven. I pray for many more stories like Elizabeth. That many would come to see our good works, but in seeing our good works, that they would begin to glorify the Father who is in heaven. We are a city set on a hill whose outstretched arm of God is reaching people all over the earth. And we may very well be part of that. I hope you understand that today. You may very well be the outstretched hand of God. I love how Psalm 121 the psalmist says that, right? Uh, he goes on, he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And we could read the whole passage. But that psalm is a very important psalm. Because it seems, if you study it, that there was individuals that they would go to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage for whatever uh, festival it was, whatever feast it was. And as they would take on this pilgrimage, they would, their aim was to Jerusalem. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? We've been able to go twice as a church, but some of you have gone in other matters. And if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you'll notice that in the tours that they take you in, 
they start in the bottom places or in the valley areas. You know, you'll go through the Dead Sea. We all know that the Dead Sea is the lowest part of the earth. And you start making your way through the tour. But you'll notice that as you're on the tour every day and you wake up every day from your hotel room, you'll notice that throughout every city you go through and so on, and you're visiting and you're touring, you'll, you'll notice that you are actually making an ascent. And finally, you make it to the day where you're going to go and see Jerusalem, the city of God. And on that day, you'll recognize that you're really making an ascent. And you're, you're traveling up. If you're going on bus, you'll notice that your bus is, is, is aiming up and, and, and you're going up some sort of hill and the terrain. And, and you'll recognize that. And that's just us in our modern day. Imagine those that tra- traveled from afar um, during these days. It was time for a feast or it was time to go to Jerusalem and they would pack up with their families and they would take this long pilgrimage and what they would do was, what would they do? They would make themselves or they would, make them, they would set themselves to go to Jerusalem but when they would get to Jerusalem, they recognized that Jerusalem was set up on a hill because what we're talking about is the city of David, the old Jerusalem, which would also be known as Mount Zion and all of that is on a hill. So to get to that place where the worship place was at, where the presence of the Lord was at, like the temple area, they had to ascend to that place. So when the pilgrims or the Jews are going to Jerusalem, it says, my eyes are set up on the hills where my hope comes from. They're quoting and singing these words because they're making their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. It's a very important psalm. Why? Because what we're about to encounter and experience and do on that holy city, it's, it's just so beautiful. There's a reason why I'm mentioning this. And I don't know if you guys know this, and you know the studies of Revelation, but do, do you know that you are the Jerusalem of heaven? I don't know if any of you know this, but you and I, the, the, the body of Christ, the, the, the bride, she is the new Jerusalem. She makes up the new Jerusalem. Very important. Nations, the Revelation says, come up to the new Jerusalem and take from the fruit of the new Jerusalem. This is bring gifts into the new Jerusalem. And who's in the new Jerusalem when the nations come? It's you and I. It's the bride of Christ. But let's not jump ahead. So, so here are these individuals taking this journey to Jerusalem to worship. And it becomes the parable of their whole life as they journey up to Jerusalem. Where does my help come from? And the person that is taking this pilgrimage to Jerusalem will lift up their eyes to the hills and wonders, where does my help come? And right there they recognize and they understand that my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Therefore, no other power can hinder it. And they're on the way to bring forth sacrifice, offering, and worship to the Lord. What a beautiful picture that is. It's a little bit of understanding of, the, of this text here. Ancient Jerusalem, as I said, was known as the city of David. And we know it as well, uh, or it's known as well as Mount Zion. And we've always been the city that is set on a hill. Jesus said it. Believers, you are a city set on a hill. And not not have we always been a city set on a hill, but I really believe this biblically speaking, we will always be for all eternity because we are in Christ Jesus. We will always be a city set on a hill. I'm going to wrap this up in a few minutes and um, we're going to close this off. But I want to make sure I make this clear. I want to read an old hymn first. 
This old hymn are the lyrics from a song called Mount Zion. You tell me what Mount Zion it's talking about. Here it is. I'm gonna, not going to sing it. I'm just going to read you the hymns, the old hymn of Mount Zion. It says, Have you walked? Have you walked about Mount Zion? Round her towers, great and tall. Have you seen her mighty bulwarks? Have you seen her shining walls? Walk about Mount Zion, brother. See the bride in spotless white. With her name enrolled in heaven, she is walking in the light. See her palaces so lovely, shining forth in splendor bright. In the city of the ransomed, where there never comes the night. Yes, the city hath foundations. She is built upon the rock. She has stood the howling tempest and will stand the judgment shock. No storm clouds shall gather over it, neither cast a shadow there. Jesus is light forever in that city bright and fair. This fair city is Mount Zion, tis the new Jerusalem, tis the church of God. He bought her, she's the fair bride of the Lamb. I just felt a little bit of Ravi Zacharias there in me as we pray for his soon departure from this earth, amen? But what a powerful word that was from this hymn, Mount Zion. Did any part of that hymn speak of the Mount Zion that is on earth today? When I read that, it speaks of a Mount Zion that is to come. The author of Hebrews does an amazing job pointing to exactly where this hymn is speaking of and what this hymn is written about about the heavenly Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. I'm going to read it to you. And we've read that here. So, so many times. Hebrews 12, 18 says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to the blackness and darkness and tempest. We're going to skip now to verse 22. Hebrews 12. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Who is, what is and who is the author of Hebrews in chapter 12 speaking about in this passage? It's, it's, it's us. We are the city. You and I, the bride of Christ, the people of God. We are the city of the living God. We are the heavenly Jerusalem. We are part of this all. We are the very work of God. I don't know about you and I don't want to get all mystical and weird and all that junk, but I'm going to be very honest with you. When I walked into Jerusalem, it was something weird that happened to me. It was weird because I know it was an earthly Jerusalem. I know it was just there, but there was a part of me that says, wow, I feel at home. 
I feel like this is where I should be. I feel like I feel like I know this area. I feel like wow, I feel I feel comfortable here. I feel like this is where I belong. And and and, and I wonder why. I wonder why Jerusalem has something so powerful deep within me. I, I wonder why. And, and it's because I'm part of it. I'm part of not just this Jerusalem. There's something far greater. This world is just a shadow for greater things to come. Whatever was the marvel as the pilgrims would come pilgriming in to Jerusalem, saying the words, man, as I look up to the hill, where does my help come from? That is just a shadow of the new Jerusalem that the pilgrims from the new earth will walk into the new Jerusalem and look up to that hill and say, there is the new Jerusalem where my help comes from. The Spirit of God is in that place. Jesus sits on his throne and around him is his bride and their light shines the glory to all the nations. We are the city that is set on a hill. We are the city of the living God. We are the very work of God work we are it on this earth and we will be displayed to show it in eternity with him he's at work and he's working through us it's the outstretched hand of God and it's still moving and it's still touching and it's still penetrating the hearts of this land you're sitting there and you're saying man when will the Lord touch and when will the Lord accomplish and when will the Lord do but in reality if we just humble ourselves and recognize who we are we will understand that wait a minute he may be wanting to use me this whole time oh, I am the city set on a hill and to get up here and to live up here it's going to take tears bruises and scrapes blood sweat pressure i'm going against the norm i'm going against the flow of earth i'm going to go against the flow of man but i'm going to make it to the top because i go in the flow of heaven I go in the flow of God. And though there's sacrifices, and though there can be pain at times, when I make it to the top of that hill and I look down, I recognize that on this hill, it's so that everyone could see the good works and that they would glorify the Father who is in heaven. Right there where you're at, as we close off, I want you to really examine yourself. I want you to really take a moment and be real with yourself. Man, I really hope you have the opportunity and you're not so full that you can actually be real with yourself. Oh my God. David was the king of the most powerful nation and yet he would write things like examine my heart and prove what is true. Can you really just examine yourself right there where you're at? And say to yourself, where am I? Am I really a city set on a hill? Am I the hand of God at work on this land today? 
Some of you, maybe you've pitched your, your home, your tent, there at the bottom of the hill. You know that God is so gracious. You know that God is so good that he still comforts and graces you in the valley. But I'm not going to sit here and try to make you feel good because I want you to understand that there's a hill for you to stand on that God wants to put you on but it's going to take something out of you it's going to take something from you but I want you to know that the Lord is with you the Lord is pushing you the Lord is right next to you he's filling you, giving you wisdom, understanding, knowledge and he wants to place you as a city on a hill so that when individuals who are in need and they could look up to the hill they find people like you and they could say I found Jesus because so and so was standing on the hill that day and they gave me to drink they gave me to eat they gave me a word and because of that I come to know Jesus thank you for standing on the hill I want to read something to you I wasn't going to do this but the Lord for some reason I'm blaming on the Lord the Lord brought it to my memory. Not only did I get a, a, uh, an email, I end with this. I also got a text message from someone. And I want you to hear this because it's not about anything. It's about the hill. It's about who stands at the hill. They'll see God. But this person wrote to me on Friday and they said, it's been 16 years since the day I walked the youth group where I was a youth pastor was called Living Proof. It's been 16 years since the day I walked into Living Proof, the youth group. I got saved. I'm not sure what you said, but God used you and hadn't stopped using you in my life. I love you, brother. And you know, you read that and you're like, dang, 16 years later, I, didn't, I never even thought about that, that that is a truth in someone's life, that that person can come to know Jesus because someone said I'm going to decide to live on the hill I'm going to be a city on a hill and if I'm a city on a hill people are going to look up here and I'm going to introduce people to who Jesus is come on, would you climb up the mountain with me? would you climb up the hill? would you be a city on a hill? so that people could look at it and say I found Jesus because I found his sons and daughters and because of them I found him I want to pray for you today Lord, we just love you and we thank you, Lord. I pray that this word just not just blow over us and we forget about its words, but that it would have meaning and truth and power, that every person listening today would recognize that they are city or to be a city set on a hill whose light shines to those that are in need, those that are in darkness, that we are to be the hope to hopeless Sometimes we say things like, hey, I'm, uh, you're looking at me. I'm not the one that's supposed to give that to you. And reality is, no, if Christ is in us, maybe we are to give that to others. Maybe we are to supply that to others. If we are on the hill and we are seated in places with the Lord, we're able to hear what he says and be able to speak from that position. We're able to see what he does and do from that position. But Lord, are we really a city that is set on a hill? 
So, Lord, I pray for anyone that's hearing, that's watching right now, that you would touch their hearts, that you would touch them deep within, and that starting right now, that they make their way up and that they would take their place on the hill and that they would recognize that they are the very hand of God that is stretched out on this earth to touch many who need of the Lord and that they would no longer hide their height under a basket, but that they would shine so that the world could see and know and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your outstretched hand that today is touching people from north to south to east to west and everything in between and that nothing can stop your hand from its work. And Lord, we are humbled that we play a role in such a beautiful thing to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we love you today. We praise you today. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us. You could give God some praise right there where you're at. I'll see you Tuesday in our hubs. And all the men, I'll see you Thursday in our men's gathering. Everything on Zoom. Have an awesome week on the hill. On the hill. Your city set on the hill. God bless you. Remember that you are loved. Go in his grace. Amen.